Good morning. Uh, we are reading from Genesis 1, verses 26 to 31, and also chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. And over everything, every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Genesis 3 verses 17 to 19. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat eat food from it all the days of your life. I will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken... For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Romans 8, verse 18 to 23. Present suffering and future glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation the children have got to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated in its own bondage from its bondage and to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, going inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks, Miller. And good morning again, everyone. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I fear every day. And then I want you to act. I want you to act as if you are, as if, as you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if our house is on fire, because it is. Uh, If those words sound familiar, that was um, teenage activist Greta Thunberg in a a speech back in 2019. And um, she captures the urgency felt by so many people all around the world on this issue of climate change. Uh, most of us will be aware of, well, I mean, Professor Rodahara explained the, the basic science of climate change for us before. Um, so carbon emissions add to a, a layer of heat-trapping gases. 
around the Earth, which have um, caused our planet to warm by about a degree over the last century, which you know, it doesn't, doesn't sound like a lot, but it, but it has a, a major environmental impact. And, and the warning from scientists is that, is that we need urgent action all over the world to reduce emissions. Um, part of the difficulty, though, is that this is such a divisive issue. Um, my guess is that here this morning, there is, there is a range of different opinions on, on climate change. Um, maybe, maybe for you, climate change is, is a huge concern. You think, this is a real issue. The, the science proves it beyond a doubt. We need to do something about it yesterday. Um, but others will be thinking, no, it's, it's not real, or well, at least it's, it's not as serious as it's being made out to be. Um, so you can see it's not just the, the issue of climate change itself that's complex. It's, it's the fact that we have such different viewpoints on it. Um, basically, what I'm saying is that whatever I say in the next 20 minutes, I'm, I'm not going to please everyone. Uh, and perhaps a measure of whether or not I get it right will be if I'm able to just offend everyone the, the exact same amount. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, I, I'm not a scientist. I, my aim this morning isn't to analyse the science or to, or to try and change your opinion on the science. Uh, science is important, very important in this, don't, don't get me wrong, but, but whatever your view is, I want you to see how the Bible can guide our thinking on this issue and our action on this issue as well. Um, if you're here this morning just checking church out, not, not quite sure what you think about God and Christianity just yet, um, perhaps just curious about the topic that we're looking at today, I hope you'll see that the Bible gives us a meaningful way of understanding and responding to climate change. And it does that by zooming out a bit and showing us the bigger picture. Uh, so what we'll be doing this morning is we'll be, we'll be following the storyline of the Bible with, with an eye to how it speaks into environmental issues of our day to day. And the story of the Bible begins with creation. Uh, as we read this morning, God creates the earth, he creates everything in it, everything around it, and he declares it is good. And we can see why, can't we? The, the natural world around us is, is amazing. It's full of beauty and wonder. Uh, and then God creates people to live in this world. He, he says, let us make mankind in our image so that they may rule over uh, the animals and, and as we see in the following verses, the, the plants and, and everything else in the world. Um, so God has made us and he's given us the responsibility to rule over his good creation. And not just that, but he'll, he'll hold us accountable to how we do that. Uh, so Jesus once told a parable about three servants who, who were all owned by the same master. Uh, the master went away for a long time and he gave each of the servants uh, a bit of money. Uh, two of the servants, they, they take the money, they invest it, they make a good return on the money. One of them just buries the money in the ground and waits, waits for the master to get home. And, and the point of the story is that God gives us good things. And he expects us not to, not to waste these good things, not to misuse these good things, but to use them to serve him and to honor him. Well, God's given us a good planet. He wants us to honor it and use it well. And if it matters to him, it ought to matter to us as well. And throughout the Bible, as we, as we go through the Bible, we, we see that God cares about his creation. We, we see indications of that. But it's also clear that there, there are two big commandments that he gives to us in the Bible. So firstly, to love him, and secondly, to love people. 
Uh, so as we, as we care for our planet, as we care for God's creation, uh, we're meant to do so in a way that serves this love for God and this love for other people. Uh, but sadly, creation is only the beginning of the Bible story. It's followed by the fall, which is when humans reject God's rule and, and choose to live their own way instead. Uh, it's what the Bible calls sin. And sin basically ruins our relationships. Uh, it, it ruins our relationship with God because we've chosen to, to reject him. Uh, it ruins our relationships with, with one another because it focuses us so much on ourselves. And as, as we read through the Bible, we, we, there's page after page about, about the impact sin has on these relationships with God and with one another. But there's another relationship that's wrecked as well, and, and we read about it um, just earlier from the book of Genesis, and, and that is our relationship with creation. Uh, God tells Adam and Eve, because you've rejected me, that the earth is now cursed. You're, you're going to have to work really hard now to produce food and, and to steward the earth the way you were meant to. Uh, and as the, as the Bible story continues on from Adam and Eve, we, we see environmental problems like famines and, and droughts, uh, which come as punishment for people sinning. In fact, just a, a couple of chapters later, we, we, we see God sends a huge flood to, to bring judgment on all of the evil that's going on in the world at that time. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean that when we switch on the news and we, and we see news reports about bushfires and floods, that, that God is punishing those people in those regions particularly. But it's a continual reminder that we live in a world that has been broken by sin. Uh, we, we read about it just before in, in the book of Romans, that, that creation has been subjected to frustration, uh, that the whole of creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. We live in a, a frustrated, groaning world, uh, which means that climate change, as, as serious as it may be, it, it's a symptom of an even bigger problem. It's the, the tip of the iceberg, as it were. Uh, and, that, and that problem is a world that's been wrecked by human sin. Now, that doesn't mean that we, that we minimise the significance of climate change. Uh, because if the, if the majority of scientists are correct, it's, it's going to have a huge impact on people, and, and, it, and it already is, potentially. Um, not just here, but, but all over the world. Not just now, but, but into the future. Um, so it doesn't mean that we minimise climate change. What, what it does mean is that uh, we need to be real about how human sin may have di directly contributed to this issue. Uh, so greed has, has always been a problem for humanity right, right from the beginning. Uh, it's, it's that desire for, for not just what we need, but, but, but for more, for more, more than we need and more and more and more. And we, we live in an age where, where technology and industry has, has allowed us to, to harness that greed more than ever before. And, and environmental problems are only one symptom of that. We, we look around the world and, and we see poverty, war, inequality, um, these things are allowed to happen in a world where, where we as humans seek gain at any cost. Uh, so we need to be real about that, and we need to, to examine our own personal views on this issue of climate change as well, and, and the motivations that lie behind those views as well. Um, so, so for those of us here this morning who perhaps 
downplay or, or, or deny climate change. I have to say, what, what I find really attractive about that view is that I don't have to do anything. And if climate change is, is real and, and it's serious, then, then it's a very inconvenient truth to hold to. Uh, we'd need to, to change the way that we do things to offset it, and that would be costly. Um, so the question is, do I genuinely disagree with the mainstream scientific conclusions? Or is it that I don't want to make the sacrifices that, that, that those would require? See, if, if my attitude towards climate change is influenced by a fear of what it will cost me rather than a, a desire to, to know the truth, then what I'm doing there is, is I'm failing to love the people who are going to be severely affected by this issue. Um, what about the other side of the coin, though? What, what about those of us who are, who are wanting to see urgent action on climate change? Well, again, it might be that you genuinely, sincerely hold this view. Um, but there's also the safety, isn't there, of, of um, following a popular opinion, following the, the same opinion that, that the majority do. And perhaps even the, the virtuous feeling that we get of, of being able to take the moral high ground on a big issue like this. Or even valuing the physical world around us so much that we, that we care more about the creation than we care about the creator God himself. Now, hear me loud and clear when I say I'm, I'm not saying that we're all influenced by these sorts of motives when it comes to climate change. What I'm saying, though, is that in a fallen world, we need to examine our hearts carefully. We, we need to ask, is my opinion being, being guided by truth or are there less savoury motivations behind it? The good news, though, the good news, though, is that the fall is not the end of the Bible story. The message of the Bible is about how God brings redemption how he saves people, how he plans to, to make things right again in the world. And he does it all through Jesus. Jesus, by dying for us, was, was taking God's judgment of sin on himself. And he was doing that so that we don't have to face the horror of God's anger ourselves. Now that is awesome news. But it still leaves us living in a broken world. The great news, though, is that Jesus, Jesus not only died, he was raised back to life as well. And one day he's going to return. He's going to, to bring about a new creation, and, and it's going to be a creation with none of the, the pain, the brokenness, or the, or the frustration that we experience day in, day out in this world, in, environmentally or otherwise. And Jesus is going to do that not by ditching this planet in the trash can and, and replacing it with a better one, but by renewing and restoring this world. And on that day, as we, as we read just earlier, creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. God holds the destiny of this world in his hands. It's, it's a really comforting truth and promise that the Bible gives us, that, that the world is not going to be destroyed before God arrives. Uh, it's going to be renewed and restored on his terms, according to his plan. And if we believe this, there, there are two possible and opposite responses 
that we might have to that. Uh, the first possible response is, I guess, what you'd call apathy. Living on Earth is, is basically, it's like living in Dad's old rental property that we, that we know he's going to knock down and rebuild one day. God's going to build a new Earth when he wants to, so, so who cares what we do with it in the meantime? Um, that's not entirely wrong. There's a right confidence in God in that response. But at the same time, it's really unloving to all of the people who are going to be affected and suffer between now and this new creation. God's sovereignty is never an excuse for, for laziness or, or any other wrong way of living. Um, for example, I, I'm very confident that I will die at the exact moment that God intends me to die. But I still eat food. I still look both ways before crossing the road. Um, so that, that's one possible response to God's control over his creation. The, the other possible response is actually to take even greater care of the world to take even greater care of the world. Taking pride in, in how we, we care and look after the planet that God has given to us. Wanting to honour him and love people in how we look after it. Wanting to be able to hand it over to God on that last day in the best shape that we possibly can. All right, putting, putting it all together, the Bible doesn't give us a scientific analysis on climate change. But it teaches us to, to, to approach this issue with a heart for loving God, loving people, and caring for God's creation in a way that reflects that love. See, God's church here and, and, and all over the world, we, we ought to be the undisputed world champions of loving people. Um, th- this love should be evident in everything that we, everything we do and say, and, and, and that includes how we deal with with an issue like climate change. Uh, if you're here this morning and you're just going to hear one thing to, to take away from this morning, it, it is that our response to climate change ought to be driven by a love for God and a love for people all over the world and, and into the future as well. And, and we do that by looking at the scientific evidence, by, by taking it seriously, by examining it, by, by forming an opinion on the, the science and the data that that we can hold in good conscience before God. Uh, And committing to playing our part in stewarding this planet in a way that honours God and that loves people as well. Now that might mean intentional lifestyle choices that we make um, within our household. Uh, It might mean being prepared to to vote on election day in in a way that... Uh, prioritises the needs of, of other people around the world ahead of just what's going to be best for me financially. The point is that even though I'm only one person, uh, I've only got one voice, I've only got one carbon footprint, uh, there's an integrity in living out our convictions on an issue like this in, in, a, in, a, in a way that's consistent with what we believe. And if we're taking the Bible seriously on the issue of climate change... We, we're going to be careful not to love the world at the expense of loving God and loving people. See, when Jesus gathered his disciples together for the last time, he, he didn't say to them, whatever you do, make sure nothing bad happens to my planet. Do, do whatever you need to. Glue yourself in an aeroplane if you have to. Just make sure those carbon levels don't get too high. No, he didn't say that. 
Now, I'm not saying he doesn't take that sort of thing very seriously, but, but, but what he told his disciples was, go and make disciples. Teach them to obey me. Creation one day is going to be renewed and restored and made right forever. But every person is going to exist for eternity based on how they respond to Jesus. Hell is a far more inconvenient truth than climate change is. And so we love people by caring for the earth, absolutely. But we love them even more by telling them about Jesus. We can love vulnerable people in in developing nations by by supporting action on climate change, if, if that's our conviction. But we can love them even more by supporting global mission and and praying for the spread of the gospel all around the world. And the the CMS online dinner coming up is a great opportunity to do that. Um, Likewise, we can love our our children, our our grandchildren, our our great-grandchildren, future generations, by by playing our part in stewarding our planet in a sustainable way, and, and we absolutely should. But we can love them even more by pointing them to Jesus. Parents, making sure that Jesus is is right at the center of of who you are and what you do as a family. Here on a Sunday, being a a loving community that that welcomes and nurtures our young people. It's great being able to have all of our young people in here this morning. Uh, Praying and perhaps even giving money to organizations like um, Bible College SA, which are are committed to raising up full-time future gospel leaders and, and really sustaining the spread of the gospel in our country and around the world. We love people by caring for the earth. Absolutely, we do. But we, we love them even more by showing them Jesus. So whatever your opinion is about climate change, however much I've offended you in the last 20 minutes, I hope you can see the valuable perspective that the Bible gives us on this issue. Um, It doesn't analyse the science for us. It it doesn't tell us how many degrees of warming the planet's got left before it's cooked. Um, But it it zooms out and it shows us the bigger picture. uh, That we've been created with a responsibility to love God. We've been created with a responsibility to love people. And we've been created with a responsibility to care for this beautiful planet that God has given to us as we await the day when Jesus will return and renew it and restore it forever. So let me pray with that in mind. God, our creator, sustainer, and loving Father, we thank and praise you for the goodness, the beauty, and the sufficiency of your creation. Thank you for the privilege of being stewards of this world. We confess that as a human race and in our own personal lives, we've not always got that right. Thank you for your promise that Jesus will return one day to set things right. And as we await that day, we we pray that you give us wisdom to navigate the issue of climate change and to rule the earth in a way that honours you, in a way that's loving and caring to all people everywhere, now and into the future. And we just ask that whatever our view is on the, the science and the data behind climate change, we ask that you'd help us to live it out with integrity, graciousness, selflessness, and and, and a heartfelt desire to see you glorified. That that whether we have the same view 
or different views, that, that people would see your church live, responding to this issue in a way that is absolutely saturated in love for you and love for your people. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.